Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show 104. Excited to be back on with you and excited to be talking education, talking leadership, talking life uh, here on the program. So let's get started. Uh, it is uh, in the afternoon here, and we are going to welcome in our guest here shortly. Evan Robb from Virginia is going to be joining us. Uh, he is an author. He's an educator. He's a TED talker. How cool. I'm so pumped up to talk about uh, what that looked like for him. And um, look at this. Siri's talking back to me here. What's happening? Siri, you are not the guest today, so knock it off. Uh, but I'm excited to uh, talk to uh, Evan about those things and, and the work he's doing. Uh, here are two of his most recent books. And, and unbelievably, he's got another one coming out here shortly. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. I haven't had a chance to read uh, Team Makers here, but we are gonna uh, talk to him about the ten minute principle and and certainly uh, about Team Makers. So I'm, I'm pumped to have him on and uh, appreciate him giving of his time. Uh, a little commercial here. Uh, if you've watched this program before, you know I developed a relationship with Rocket Book, and uh, this is the surviving and thriving Rocket Book. It's arrived. It's the Andrew Murata custom made one. Uh, and I am going to be taking my notes here today. I'm looking forward to learning a lot from Evan. I'm going to take those notes today here, and then I'm going to send them to my Google Drive. I'm going to share them with Evan. Uh, if you don't know what Rocketbook is, it is a reusable smart notebook, and I can write on here, and then when I'm done, I can scan it. It's going to go to my Google Drive. It's going to go to my email, all of that kind of stuff, and I will not lose those notes. You can designate where you want it to go uh, here, Dropbox, uh, Evernote, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm a fan of Google Drive and my, my Gmail. Uh, it will also transcribe it if you write neatly. So I'm happy to offer this 20% uh, off. Marada 20 is the code on my website, andrewmarada.com. Again, and thanks to Rocketbook for sponsoring the show and getting the custom made uh, Rocketbook here. So check that out. Also, certainly rocketbook.com. Uh, it has more information. So in preparing for the show and reflecting on the show, I was thinking about, uh, again, I read the 10-minute principle here by Evan Robb. Uh, this is through Corwin. What a great book for school principals. I mean, our, our our world here, our life, I had a few minutes to chat with Evan before the, the show started and, and all of the things that come our way. It is like a highway of speed, uh, exiting on, exiting off, twists and turns. And that's just in one day, uh, all the things that come our way. And Evan does a great job of breaking down so many different things that can help a principal, social media, dealing with, you know, parent conflicts or parent meetings, walkthroughs, uh, purposeful meetings, interactive teacher-led faculty meetings, all short snippets that we as principals need and can use to help us get us better Um you know, if you're a, pr a principal that's watching, an assistant principal that's watching, you know what I'm talking about in terms of breaking up your day, owning your time, 
And and uh, this is a great book. I'm, I'm excited to ask Evan about it um, and, and just different tips uh, that you can use. If you are watching live, we'd love to interact with you. I'd love to uh, have a comment, uh, whether it's on Twitter or certainly here live on uh, BeLive. Uh, but leave us a comment, leave us a question, and, and Evan and I will work that into the program. But without further ado, let's bring Evan into the program. And there he is live from Virginia. Evan, welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Hey, man, Andrew, I am so excited to be here today. I am a big fan of your work. Love the book, The Principles, Surviving and Thriving. Watch your videos and really excited that we can get some time to have a conversation today. Cool. I know we hit a foul tip last week and we were quick to get back to it. And uh, I appreciate you making us time here on a busy day. Um, Evan, let's jump right in. There's, you're doing so much. You're having such a great impact. Uh, I was at a conference last week uh, in New York and and, you know, people I asked about on Twitter who they're following, things like that. And, and your name was one of the first I heard. Um, so you're having an impact uh, on our country in the world of education. You, you've written four books now, Principal Leadership, The Rob Review, Leadership Trainings, uh, and you've done a TED Talk. You know, we have a lot to get into, uh, but let's start in your, in your day job. Let's start in the, in the role that you serve each and every day uh, at your middle school in Virginia. Why don't you tell us about... Uh, being a principal uh, at, let me get the name right. Where is it? Johnson Williams Middle School. Johnson Williams Middle School. There you go. Let's start there, Rock. Okay. Wow. Um, that's a really nice introduction. So thank you very much for that, Andrew. You know, I have um, been a principal since 1999. And interesting enough, the school where I'm a principal right now, I came back to this school in 2004, but I actually started my teaching career in this school. In I'm going to date myself, but say, back in the very early 1990s. And uh, I have found it's a little unusual for people to stay in admin jobs, especially the building level for a long, long time, but I love it. My school has about 480 kids. We are small, for at least for the state of Virginia, in, in a wonderful community with supportive parents, a great teachers, great kids, and I have the absolute best day job in the world. And Evan, you know, you're here, been principal since 1999, you know, People always say, Andrew, are you going to move up? And I'm looking at it like, well, where's up? I'm in, I'm in a great spot right now. How come you haven't thought about going to district office? You know, the reason that, that I went into education was because I wanted to have a contact with teachers. I want to have contact with kids um, and contact with families. And, you know, I don't sit in judgment of whatever career path people like to take. And, I, and we're fortunate. I mean, I'm fortunate. I have a lot of great people that work in our central office. Uh, but for me, it definitely was not for me. I like to be in the building, um, around what's going on in the classrooms, being able to make connections with kids, make connections with parents. And you and I probably have something in common in this regard in that going up out of the building is not necessarily a promotion in my mind. Um, yeah. I kind of feel like I'm where I've always wanted to be right now as, as a building level principal. And and when did you realize that, Evan, right? I mean, people say that the life of a principal is four years, five years. Obviously, you're doing some things right there that you've been able to, you know, again, you mentioned survive and thrive, right? Um, when did you realize, like, this is my spot? I know where I'm supposed to be. I think that's a really good question. So both of my parents were educators, Andrew. My dad was a college professor and my mother um, was a teacher and is a, a speaker and a literacy coach right now and a, a rather prolific writer also. But I think like a lot of kids that grew up in families where you know the parents were educators, I spent a lot of time trying to push away from that and look for a different path. 
and so when I went through college, I decided to go into business. I went to an MBA program or an MBA in finance and thought I was going to go down that path. But right about the time that I was finishing up my MBA, I had this just a realization that that was not the path that I wanted to go down and really teaching was what I wanted to do. So I went into teaching and I didn't go into teaching necessarily with aspirations of being an administrator, but that was just a natural outgrowth. I think, I think of my journey. I had some really good administrators when I was in school, uh, some people that I looked up to, and that probably had a little bit of influence on me. But I think that teaching and the experience of teaching and in wanting to be able to expand my reach and, and hopefully inspire and, and help motivate teachers and create ultimately really good learning experiences for kids, uh, that drew me into administration. And I've, cool. been, and I've been there ever since. And what would you say, Evan, if, if, if I surveyed you know, students and, and staff and community members, how does Evan Robb lead? You know, you've been an, uh, an administrator for a long time now. What would you say is your leadership style? I, I would say that I try to be a consensus builder. I try to be a collaborator. I try to inspire people. I have come to one of the things, if you're going to be in this business a long time, you need to realize that you cannot know everything and you cannot do everything. And one of the things that I do is I try to bring people onto my team that have skill sets that I don't have mm. and create a, a team that's strong where people are empowered and people are encouraged to, to grow, to grow as leaders. So, but I hope that at the end of the day, people would say, I'm really kid centered. I'm a kid advocate, try to create great opportunities for kids and um, recognize that middle school is an extremely formative time for kids and, uh, I and, and my staff in the building have the ability to influence that in a positive way or, or the opposite. And we certainly don't want to go, go that way. Yeah. So you mentioned about those that you're working with and their skill sets. So specifically like an assistant principal or a director that you're working with, if, if you're going to hire that person, are there things specifically that you would look for in that person when you're hiring them? Yeah, it would depend a little bit. Of course, it depends a little bit on the job. But I am interested in people that are creative, people that are innovative, people that are risk takers, people that are really kid centered, uh, absolutely interested in people that are loyal to the organization and committed to the school mm. and and interested in people that view what we do as a profession, not as a job. And uh, what I have found is that, you know, if I bring people like that onto the team. Uh, you know, their future path starts getting created by the good work that they do. And hopefully my job is to empower them and to create opportunities that they can grow as a leader. You know, one of the things that I've seen like a problem within building level leadership is sometimes if people are insecure or uh, they want to hoard power, they want to hoard uh, knowledge within the organization. They don't want to let other people develop. They want to lead by, um, by being demanding or seeking compliance. You know, those things don't work. One of the things that I've seen is a real strong parallel between what happens in a good classroom and what happens, uh, you know, at the building level for a principal. So, you know, okay, you think about a classroom. Good classroom is about relationships. It's about connectivity. It's about having really clear expectations, about getting everyone on board in the team, letting people take risks, take chances where they're learning, giving people hope, giving people kids second chances if they need that. And all of those things, you know, are the same when a principal looks at working with, with a team of teachers and students within a building. Strong parallels. And I know, and I know obviously, that you know that because uh, I've, read, I've read your book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, a great, it's a great point, right? The culture of the school, the things that are happening outside the classroom 
you know, if they're they're positive, they're going to trickle in there as well. So that's a great point. Yeah, I think the you know I'm really interested in the concept of culture within a building and you know what that is and how you build it and and the concept of uh, repeating things over and over again and, and how that can become the culture of your building. So you want to make sure that what you're repeating um, has purpose and has some really good intentionality behind it in order to help kids learn better, you know, and help the organization. I will. I don't want to digress here, but there's one other thing that that I, I'd like to pose to you. I don't know if you've thought about this, um, and certainly people that are viewing. But recently, I've read Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers, mm. and he has this really interesting concept in the building, um, and it, it's framed around this concept of ten thousand hours. And so, what he says in the book is that to become an expert at something, it takes about ten thousand hours to get there. And he gives examples of sports, you know, golfers, baseball players, runners. Uh, music, you know, the, 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 Beatles. The, the, the Beatles in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. It gives that example of how they you know, started getting together, you know, in early sixties, but they don't hit their apex until Sergeant Pepper. in I think like 1967. So if you apply that thinking to building level leadership, it will take four to six years to become an expert at being able to do it. And one of the problems in America is people that are not making a commitment to being in the building and building the average middle school principal in, in America now is three, four year kind of range. Wow. Uh, they're, they're never in the building long enough to become a real expert at what they're doing. And when that happens, communities lose out, teachers lose out, and and really, unfortunately, you know, kids, kids lose out. So yeah, I'm a big believer that you've got to really put time into things to become really good at something. Well, kudos to you for, for staying with those kids and, and being there 20, 20, 21 years, uh, yeah. being a building level administrator and, uh, uh, that's awesome. But you mentioned risk taking, Evan, and you know you recently had a, a TED talk, and that's a that's a lot of things, including you know risking and going out there and, and putting yourself out there. Uh, you know, it was a field fieldstone, two ways to jump into a pool. Uh, tell tell me everything. Like, tell me about starting it, the idea. You know the preparation. Tell me everything that went into that experience. Okay, it's a, it's a so really exciting. a really cool story. So, um, through social media, I met so many um, really great people and love to be able to connect and and it built some really powerful connections. So that came about by a connection that I had with Chris Felicello and Gary Armida, who are um, in North Rockland. And I will show this. I love their book, The yeah. Teacher and the Admin. There you go. Um, Chris and Gary are great guys. If you're not following them, you want to connect with them and check out their book. It is wonderful. So Chris had, you know, had a dream, you know, to create a TEDx event and uh, he's a can-do kind of guy. And so he, um, working with a really dynamic group of people up there in North Rockland, envisioned um, TEDx Fieldstone. And he had contacted me and said, hey, you know, you interested in coming up to North Rockland here and doing a TEDx talk? Oh, I hope we didn't lose you, Evan. You got froze for a moment. Stick with us. If you're watching live, hopefully we didn't lose Evan. Evan, you with us? We're just about to hear about the TED Talk, and we, we had a technical problem here. Hopefully uh, he can reconnect soon here. Ah. Uh, Uh, if you are watching live, uh, hang tight. I'm sorry we have a, a glitch here. I'm not sure what happened. We were we were firing right along here. Mm. 
We lost him. Let's see if he's going to come back on, everyone. Uh, while he's filling in, I will fill in some points here uh, from the 10-minute principle. Again, he was start, starting to talk about his TED Talk here. Um, but this is Evan's book, uh, The 10-Minute Principle, and I just found it phenomenal. For someone that has ADD, for someone that has uh, a high energy, for someone that, that is moving quickly, this book really did help me. Um, uh, it, it just it dialed me in. I enjoyed reading it. They're short little snippets, you know, things that say, like, try this. Here's a pitfall. And they're short little things. It's not a big thing filled with, with data and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I enjoyed I enjoyed it. Look, here's a little 10-minute tip uh, that he puts in here, 10-minute opportunity. These are small opportunities for success. Um, it was very, very well done. So hopefully we can talk to more, uh, talk to Evan about it a little bit more here. Did we lose you? Let's try to find out what happened. Hang tight. All right. Let's try to find out what's happening. You okay? I'm going to text Evan here. I don't want to turn off our live feed here, so. I guess this is one of the dangers of being live uh, and doing your show live here. So hang tight, everyone. Ah, he was doing such a good job. I wanted to hear about this TED Talk. Uh, in Fieldstone, he mentioned uh, Gary Armida and Chris uh, Felicello uh, from North Rockland. Uh, check out their videos on YouTube. Uh, really great stuff. And... Um, we're going to have those guys on the show. I did just get a copy of their book as well. Um, so we'll break from Evan for a moment. I do want to share a little bit uh, in Port Jervis, uh, New York today. We did have a great wellness day at our school. It was fantastic. It was uh, a day for the kids. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Blaze Gomez from Channel 12 News uh, in New York. Uh, did a great job as our keynote speaker. And we had uh, community members in our school uh, about volunteerism and uh, okay, uh, I'm, th there he is. Yeah, I don't know what happened over there. The the joys of, of technology. You made you made it back on. Yeah, I hope I stay on. So <laughs> I, I I need to uh, adopt the Northeast vibe here and I'll talk faster just to make sure I get everything in. So I guess I'll go back a little bit to yeah the the, the Fieldstone the TED Talk yeah yeah so um, I had to think about what I wanted to do it on and I thought about. You know, what I learned is that if you're going to do a TEDx talk, you have to do about something that has relevance to you. Because if you're going to tell a story, you know, the best story to tell is your story, you know, a story that you know best, um, which is probably the best way to write a book also, which is to write a book that has relevance to you. So it is called Two Ways to Get Into a Swimming Pool, and it is based on a true story. Uh, in fact, the swimming pool that I took that high dive off uh, is only about 10 miles from, from where I still live right now. And uh, but but I saw the high dive as, as a metaphor for for life you know where you can take chances or you can play it safe and i had an opportunity to kind of reflect on people within my family enjoyed speaking about my grandfather um, who is someone that certainly took some leaps by coming to america as an immigrant in the early 1900s with really nothing and creating a life for himself and so i try to 
and the message is a powerful one to me, and it's something that I certainly like sharing with my staff too, which is if you want to find the personal greatness that's in you, and I do believe that it that it's oh have, man, we got connected. Yeah, there we go. You have to be willing to take some chances. And um so that's the message of the TEDx talk, which is take some chances, you'll find something. Uh, you might you might be a little uh nervous while you're doing it but you have the potential to find something great yeah it was it was fantastic the whole thing was well done uh evan you know what was something that that you loved from it and then looking back in reflection if you could go back and do it again i would change this or i would have added this or that's something that didn't work for you so what was a positive and what was something that that, that you didn't love i think a positive from it was the the discipline that i learned to memorize to memorize and, uh, you know, I always felt like I'm one of these guys that can, like, hear songs. So, like, you're, you know, you're New York, New Jersey guy. So, like, love Bruce Springsteen, you know. So, hear, hear Bruce Springsteen's song, and I can memorize the lyrics pretty well. Uh, but trying to get 17 or 18 minutes of, of something written down that doesn't have rhyme or rhythm to it, uh, that doesn't have music to it, is really challenging. And uh, I underestimated how difficult that was. It probably took about an hour a day for about four or five months. Um, wow. I was really, really diligent with my practice because you want to be able to deliver it so it appears that it's not memorized. I mean, you want to you want to know it so well, so like that it looks like you're just going out on stage and you're telling the story. But yeah. there, there's a massive amount of preparation that go that goes into it. And you know, so if I had a chance to do that again, um, I probably would have would have liked to have a little more time because I can't say that my first version of that was 24 minutes and you have to keep it under 18. 18 and minutes, yeah. You do, you do. And and from feedback that I've gotten from people, probably would have integrated some more stories about my grandfather uh, and his impact on my life and, uh, you know, and how he helped shape the person that I am today. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's interesting, Andrew, The you know, my grandfather died a long time ago. In fact, he died in 1980. And so this has been a nice way for me to honor someone who had an incredible influence on me when I was when I was a kid, and to uh, be able to share his story to to thousands of people, um, so it, that's wonderful, and uh, that's a gift that Chris Felicello um, offered to me when he invited me, and um, and I'm forever grateful uh, to him for that. Yeah, it's pretty cool that you know you did that, and and um, uh, kudos to you. Is did you you have to have it memorized? You can't have note cards with you or something like that. You. I think that there, there's no one way to do it. And I guess my advice to anyone that's watching this, who's thinking about doing a TED talk or being offered to do a TED talk is just do it the way that you think is, you feel is most comfortable for you. You know, for me, I'm more comfortable if I understand, uh, if I, if I have it memorized and I can kind of deliver it that way. I think some people can use note cards, but you know, a TEDx is a bit of a, it's, it's kind of, it's not like giving a keynote, you know, you, I just have to think of it like you're almost in a TV studio. So you want to make sure that you're able to make eye contact with the camera um, instead of having to look down um, at a note card or something like that. But yeah. some people do that and, and it can certainly be effective if they do it that way. I just did it the way that made the most sense to me, cool. but, but it is fun. And, you know, to you, um, cause you know, you have such a great message and you're a really, really great speaker. You know, you'll be awesome in a TEDx talk. So no doubt that'll come your way one day. Um, and my best advice is when it does just say a quick yes, and then kind of figure out, you know, uh, what it's going to be. Absolutely. Start memorizing. Oh, I got it. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I have it written in my head and, uh, you know, I read talk like Ted and uh -huh. I think us as school leaders, wherever we present at a faculty meeting, at a workshop, uh, in front of our kids, 
we have to know how to present. It's part of, you know, I think being a leader and being an effective communicator. So just to add that to your, you know, all the great things you're doing, I think was, was awesome. And, and it was well done. You looked very professional and the, the message was cool, right? Because uh, everyone loves to, to you know, the, the summer in the pool time. Yeah, the uh, I, I really appreciate your words. That that means a lot to me, especially from someone uh, like you who has so much experience. You know, I will share that this this past summer, I actually did go back to that swimming pool and uh, I did it again. Uh, and, uh, nice. it, you know, as a as a as a grown man, it was still just as exciting to do right now as it was when I was 12 years old. So, uh, yeah, it was a really good experience. Absolutely. Evan, you know, you're talking about your grandfather immigrated to the country. You, you mentioned your mom and you just had a, a great thing here uh, with, you know, writing this book with your mom. You seem to have uh, wonderful relationships uh, with your family. Uh, you seem very close. I know you, you're married. You have two grown children. You have your, your grandchildren, uh, you know, Amelia and, and Liam. Like, tell me about your, your family and, and how they fit into all all your work as a school leader and all that, but you seem to have great bonds with your family. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm very lucky. The um, I um, my mother lives right around the block from me, and uh, so my wife and I have have a home. It's just you know less than a quarter mile away from where my mom lives, uh, and in the house that I grew up in when I was a kid. And uh, my sister actually lives um, about a block away from that. So we've been very close knit. You know, like a lot of families, you know, I my family has, has unfortunately shrunk, you know, over time, you know, I have memories when I was a kid of, you know, the family being so much larger, but, uh, but time, you know, time happens, you know, when people pass away. Um, but I've been lucky to be able to maintain really tight bands with, you know, with my mother, my father, when he was alive, of course, my grandparents and, and the other people within my family, you know, family is, is everything. And I try to communicate that certainly, you know, within my leadership also, because, and you know this, you know, a school has to feel like a family, you know, when, when you're, um, when everyone's together in the building, you know, schools that don't feel like families are never happy places for people to work and they're not good places for kids. Um, and, you know, if you're a principal long enough, you'll experience staff who, who experience everything that, that everyone else experiences in life from, you know, a death of a family member to the birth of a child, to the, um, a child driving for the first time or a child going off to college, all those things. And those, those are bonds. They build culture within the building and they're important in our personal lives. And there's a way that they can extend also into our professional lives also. Yeah. But well, I'm good. very, very proud grandfather also. And, yeah. And, and, which is wonderful. Get him reading those books. Absolutely. Uh, it, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's only 10 minutes. I want to talk a little <laughs> bit about this before we get to you and your mom's book. Um, again, when we were off air, I was sharing for someone, you know, with ADD, for someone that's high energy, I just found this the perfect fit because our lives as principals are so busy. Tell me what was the inspiration, Evan, and, and where did you come up with the, the 10 minute concept? Well, it, it is, it is exactly what you just said. And, and hearing your words makes me really feel really, really great. So when I wrote this book, I purposely wanted to write a book that you did not have to read from the first page to the last page of the book. Mm -hmm. And as you look at the book, and I appreciate you, I know that you've read the book, you'll know, you'll know that there's headings within the index and a lot of parallel structure um, from each chapter. So there's 10 minute tips, 10 minute collaborations, 10 minute opportunities. And I share some stories and I share some, uh, some positives. And I also share some blunders that I made along the way, because I think it's important to be honest about your path. But I wanted to create something that would 
create an easy access point for someone at any time during their day or during the school year. So, you know, if you say, okay, I want to learn a little about social media. Well, you know, there's a chapter in there. You want to learn about running effective meetings. There's a chapter in there. Or I put some QR codes in so you can access some podcasts and hear me talking a little more and expanding on some of the elements that, that are within the chapter. You know, I, and I, I think that you'll agree with this too. I've been a principal for 20 years. I in no way, shape or form feel like I know all the answers. Um, in fact, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm less sure about certain things than I was when I was uh, 32 years old. But, but I do know that you know, leadership is about evolving and part of leadership and part of the responsibility of leadership is to share with people some things that, that you learn that may be able to help them along the way and along their journey. And at the end of the day, that's what this book is. This book is, was an opportunity for me to share some things that I've learned that may help some people along their path and if it does that, then you know, then I feel really good about the book. Well, growing and expanding, evolving, you know, you're on fire. You you had this book come out recently. You just launched this with your your mom, and now again, you have a a fourth book coming out. Um, where are we here? It's called uh, A School Full of Readers. Yeah, yeah, and that's is all. Is this also with your mom? Is that correct? Yeah, I covered that with her. Yeah, yeah. And is that that's coming out this month? Correct. That should be out mid November. Yeah, okay. through, through Benchmark Publishing. And uh, yeah, I've had, it's been really fun for me to, to write with my mother, you know, and it's interesting is, as we grow older, you know, your relationships with your parents change as time goes on. You know, when you're a kid, your parents have a different role than, than when you're an adult. And uh, my mother is a professional colleague, and, uh, but, but still in certain ways, uh, you know, a teacher, because she has been a strong influence on uh, me developing as a writer. Um, she is a far more prolific writer than I am and, and uh, you know, cut from a cloth that I can only admire. But, but I do enjoy working with her and being able to collaborate that way. And that was, so it was a motivation for team makers and the motivation for a school full of readers. She's a literacy coach and for a school full of readers, we wanted to kind of combine what's the principal's role in creating and supporting and uh, developing a school that's, that has a culture of reading. And then what could be the role of a literacy coach or a department chair, an English teacher within the building to, to help kind of create that good symbiosis between uh, the leadership that the principal can collaboratively build within their team and then the role, the role of the teacher or the coach within the classroom to, to build that culture. So yeah, I collaborate with her all the time and uh, and I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to do that. And, uh, and it's fun, look forward to more yeah. collaborations. And Evan, you know, I don't know if you have this experience. There's so many school leaders that have talked about, I, I, I want to write a book or I have some stories or I, I have an idea for a book. What What is your process to actually sitting down, pen to paper, fingers to keyboards and, and getting going? Like, did you make, all right, mom, we're going to write from eight to 10 on Saturday mornings. Uh, was it like, how, how did you go about scheduling it to actually physically do it? I. It is not easy to do, and I'm going to share some of my techniques, but I'm actually interested in hearing some of yours, too, because I think that's one of those things that people try to figure out and kind of learn on their own. Uh, yeah. I didn't do a web search to kind of figure out how to do that. So a couple things that I found, for me, I need to really create a really tight outline to write. And so I spend a lot of time outlining the book, you know, what would be the chapter title, what would be the headings within the chapters, what would be the elements that are within the chapter. And that gives me a framework because I'm one of those people that writes better with a, within a framework than just mm -hmm. kind of opening up a Google Doc and just kind of firing away, uh, you know, a, a text you know, onto my computer. My goal is always to write 
at least four hours during the week and five to seven hours on the weekend. And I would stick with that pretty well. I found him a pretty disciplined writer. But part of the problem with that is I need to feel sometimes creative to write. And, and after a long day, you know, sometimes I'm tired and I'm not feeling really inspired to write. But what I found for me was that having an outline allowed me to write, even if I wasn't as inspired to write as I might have at other times. But at the end of the day, you just have to be very disciplined with it. You know, there, there are a lot of people that talk about writing a book, but there are not a lot of people that write books. And writing books is challenging. And, you know, one of the things that if you're working a full-time job also, you have to figure out how to put that into your life in a way that's positive without negatively impacting the other aspects of your life. You know, and I appreciate you pointing out, I'm absolutely a family person. So I'm not the kind of person that wants to write and forsake my family. Um, I I want to find some balances that I can be creative, that I can get the work done, but also have the other, other elements in my life in place also. So at the end of the day, just disciplined writing. So now I'm going to turn it at you and say, uh, how did you write the principle surviving and thriving? What were some, some techniques that you could share? Yeah, no, and I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed hearing that. Um, I, someone challenged me. I tell the story when people ask me about it, I, I went and spoke to a college class and the gentleman gave me 10 books. And when I left that class, two of them were his. And he says, well, where's your book? You know, Andrew, you were, this was great. And I said, is it, doc, I can't write a book. I have three little kids. I'm a high school principal, college basketball referee. Like I can't even go to the bathroom. What are you talking about? <laughs> and he said, you were awesome. You got to do it. He said, just write down everything you do as a principal. You're a great school leader. He said, just write it down. So I was on the way home. Again, ADD. I wasn't texting and driving, but I did talk to text on the way home. It was an hour drive. I had 60 things, Evan, on the way home. Wow. The, ne- wow. the next day at school, I didn't have my rocket book at the time, but I always keep a pad with me. Mm-hmm. I had 40 more things. So in less than 24 hours, I had 100 tips. And so, then once I had the tips, kind of like you described yeah, with the right outline, around. I said, well, I'm going to do I will do five tips today. I'm going to do this. Uh, another thing I found, again, managing our time, owning our time, looking at our wellness. I do very well walking and talking. Mm-hmm. So some of the book was talk to text. And I spoke it into the phone, literally walking, because that energy, that oxygen, that blood flow helps my creativity. And, uh, you know, you have to go back and edit a lot with that. But that was one of the things that worked for me. Yeah. But how long did it take you to get a really good workable first draft? Six months, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I would say six months. I, I did mine back when I was refereeing too. So if I didn't have a game, if I was down in the Shenandoah Valley down there on Route 81 in Winchester <laughs> and I was at either UVA or James Madison, I might that game might not be till seven. Well, I was at the hotel maybe at, at 10 and that would give me some hours to write or, or if I stayed over overnight at the hotel, I, you know, being in that confined space always helped me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, a lot of similarities. You know, being really, again, being really disciplined about, you know, generating the ideas and then being disciplined about getting them into a format that that can uh, communicate your message and benefit other people. Yeah. Evan, let me ask you this. You know, you, you're writing books. You're physically fit. You're a high school principal. You got grandkids. How do you continue to sharpen your saw? You know, what are some things that you do for your own wellness? you know, for you, for you, for your own, you know, keeping yourself sharp. What are some things that you do? Yeah, I found that, you know, especially as I've gotten older to be more and more important. Um, I 
my wife and I'm, I'm lucky because my wife likes to exercise with me. And so we exercise at least five days a week. And we either do it early in the morning at about 5.30 at our local gym, or we do it in the evening, you know, typically before dinner, sometimes on a weeknight. And for me, you know, that means about 30 minutes of cardio and about 30 minutes of uh, circuit training with weights and spending a little time with stretching and, and doing some core work. And it makes all the difference. You know, I tell you, Andrew, you know, I had, I had this moment about three or four years ago where I kept I had this one day where I kept having to walk up and down the steps in the building a lot and started feeling my pulse racing and, you know, my breath short. And I just thought, you know, I am not going to be good in my job uh, to be able to motivate and, um, and and be effective if I'm not taking care of myself. So through everything that I do, whether it, you know, it's members working on the TED, the TED or or, write, or writing, I always make sure that I'm getting some time for fitness, you know, and to work on my eating also, because I think as you get older, you know, you know, what I find is the food that, the amount of food that I could eat when I was 22 years old in college, if I eat that now, um, my suit will not fit me. So, <laughs> you know, so uh, I cannot do that. You know, I can, I can see the kids in my building eat a level of food that I no longer can eat. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you relate to that also with high school athletes, yeah. uh, young, young boys can eat a lot of food. Absolutely. But yeah. So, uh, yeah, important to get, again, that balance and to make sure that, you know, that I continue to invest in my health, because if I don't do that, I can't do the other things that I want to do. And and again, so many points in your, in your book and, and things we've shared today is, you know, us owning our time, being focused at school about and being intentional about it. And it's important for us as school leaders also being intentional outside of school, of building those relationships with family, uh, spending time and in, in you know, these books are inspiring for others, but they're also inspiring for us, mm -hmm. uh, for you to have cranked out three books here in that amount of time is just is just tremendous. So kudos to you. Kudos to your mom uh, for the work that you're doing. Yeah, um, I, I appreciate that. You know, one of the things that I, I, I mentioned in my TEDx talk, too, is is I believe that everything that we do is designed to give us exactly what we get. So I so and I, I know that you do, too, is so to be very intentional with what I do and where I put my time. So if I want to be fit, then I have to design my life to allow me to be fit. But if, if I just want to sit on the couch every night and eat Doritos, that's not designed to, for me to get fit. Um, and then apply the same thing into work. And that's where the 10 minute principle comes in, which is only so many hours in the day. How can I, how can I be intentional and put the time into what makes the most sense uh, to get the most benefit for, for students, for teachers and for my community? Evan, that was a great quote. Everything we do is designed to give us what we get. That was uh, that was a great quote here. We might have to we might have to send that one out, man. That was great. <laughs> Thank you very yeah. much. Someone mentioned to me the other day about you know random acts of kindness week, and they said you know forget random acts of kindness. We need to be intentional with those acts of kindness, and I, I that resonated with me as well. Um, yeah, I think uh, intentional, and as you know, as a leader, genuine. You know, because being genuine, especially with kindness and relationships, means trust means everything. Uh, because uh, if, if genuineness isn't there, those things don't work. Cool, Evan. We could yeah. talk for another uh, five hours, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but I, I know you have stuff to get to. And it is time to get to the rapid fire portion of the show here. Uh, so let's get ready to roll. Are you ready down there south of the border? Man, I'm, I'm really excited about the rapid fire. That's a fun <laughs> part of your show. So I want to make sure that I have... Uh, have some good responses to these awesome questions. Cool. Here we go. Last movie you saw. Uh, 
Avengers Endgame and Bohemian Rhapsody. Look, I want to see that Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> it's a very good movie. Favorite place to travel? Favorite place to travel would probably be Bermuda. Okay. Yeah. And if you could go do a workshop anywhere in the United States, where is it a, a cool place that either you've been already or you'd like to go and do a workshop? I would like to do a workshop in Key West, Florida. Nice. Early in the afternoon so you can get done. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, one of the greatest challenges in your work? Not letting people down and feeling like uh, – that the decisions that I make are always in the best interest of kids. And, and I think the other piece, Andrew, is it's always a challenge when you're a principal to not compromise what you believe in. Building consensus, collaboration, that, yeah, and then, and then you meld it with not, not bending on certain things. That's yeah, a challenge. Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. it is. Absolutely. You mentioned some of the things that motivate you, uh, a lot of things, but if I said, Evan, Rob, what is something that motivates you? Man, one of the things that motivates me is people who are really passionate and inspired to do what they do. Um, so I, I find I find inspiration. Not, it's not that I'm that I'm interested in people that have, make a lot of money or have a lot of titles, but but I'm always inspired by people that take tremendous pride and do the best at whatever whatever it is they're doing. Really big motivator for me. And something that gets under your skin. What's a pet peeve of yours? Um. <laughs> I'll be honest on your podcast. I, a pet peeve of mine is when someone says, I wrote the book that they were going to write. <laughs> That's an honest response, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they should have done it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Best purchase under $100 that has had a great impact on your life. I don't know if it's under $100 enough, but my wife purchased um, Sirius XM for me. Okay. For, for my car. Um, I love listening to music. Big fan of everything from 70s classic rock to, to jazz and blues and classical music. And it is all there, you know, in my car with a press of buttons. So that was a really good gift for me. Tricky when you get in a car than a rental or something that they, they don't have it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would, I would want that in a rental if I could get it. Definitely. Good, good for you, man. Uh, something about Evan Rob that people do not know about. That. I, um, let me see, I'm a real stickler with my dress shirts and, uh, the, that's an odd thing, but I would always, when I was younger, I would always get these shirts that were too big in the midsection and I would have to blouse them in, in the back, like a nice napkin. And, uh, that was a particular peeve of mine that I did not like. Uh, so, uh, I have moved to shirts that fit me a little bit better. Uh, yeah. it, it Partially inspired by Vernon Wright at the Wright Leader because he's a very slick dresser. And uh, so that, that gets me motivated to try to make sure I'm presenting presenting well for my position. I love the T-shirt uh, thing you had going on on social media with him. That was cool. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, 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 man. Uh, if you had a billboard with a message on it, what would that message be? I think it would be the message that I shared with you a little while ago, that everything you do in your life is designed to give you exactly what you get. I love it. I love it. Something that's been a hurdle for you, uh, Evan, either personally or professionally? A personal hurdle for me, believe it or not, um, was writing. Um, I developed very, very late in my life as, as a writer and uh, did not think that I could really do it well, really almost all the way through graduate school. But 
as I reflect back on it and think about it, I, I just didn't really, for me, I didn't have people that taught me the way that I needed to learn writing. But over time, I overcame that and I certainly don't feel, I'm not going to write the next great American novel, but but I am gain, continue to gain confidence in myself as a writer and my ability to uh, put into words the, the messages that I want to articulate. Short-term personal or professional goal, three to five months? I would like to expand my speaking um, because I love meeting educators and being able to make connections and share ideas. And one of the things that, and, and you know this also, writing is a very private experience. You spend a lot of time by yourself. And one of the things that, that, that it's affording me is an opportunity to get out there and to share my story and to meet people and be able to make connections in a, in a different kind of way. So that remains an ongoing goal that, that I'm, I hope to achieve. Okay. And three to five years, a, a longer, longer goals. I think in three to five years, I would like to write a couple more books. I would like to speak a little bit more and um, figure out probably a way to have a little more travel time uh, with my wife so we can go and see some of the places that we talk about seeing uh, at times that are not the most highest travel expense times during the year. Because as you know, when, when you work in education, our vacations fall at a time that airplane tickets and travel gets very expensive. So I'm very jealous of people that can go somewhere on a vacation in October or the end of September. Yeah, And so I look forward to being able to do that in the future. And it's nice when you get a chance to speak at some of those places and maybe it's an afternoon, you have some time off, you're looking around like, wow, this is what real people do. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> well, that 81 corridor up and down. I love traveling on 81. That's great. Uh, Evan, this was great. If someone did want to contact you about hiring you for a speaker, if they were interested in the book, what, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, I can. Thank you for asking that. The, my books are available on Amazon.com. Um, you can connect with me on Twitter at Principal if you haven't done that, at Evan Rob Principal, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. And for speaking, if you look at me, look me up on Premier Speakers. Um, you can contact Premier Speakers, and you know I'd love to come and share some ideas and learn with educators, some in your school division or anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Well, Evan, this was great. You had, you, know, you had several great quotes here. We talked about your books, uh, really inspired. Uh, and again, that message, uh, not only as an educator, inspiring your, your staff and, and, and people, uh, that community with your family uh, and, and hearing about your grandfather and your mom and your wife and your, and your kids and your grandkids. I mean, you got the range there. So it's, it's great to see someone being successful uh, like you're doing. Uh, while maintaining a great family bond. So kudos to you and your family. Well, I appreciate that very much, Andrew. And I, I'm so happy that I'm honored that you had me on your show. I'm really excited that we got to connect. And you know, you and I got connected through social media. And if we didn't connect that way, we probably would never have met. And and that's the really exciting thing about being able to make connections with like-minded people. You know, I love your book. Recommend that anyone who has not read your book should get your book and read it. It's fantastic. And uh, I am very inspired by your message and look forward to further connections in the future. Cool. This is Evan Rob, everyone. Let's get this music fired up. Evan, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, looking sharp with the nice shirts there. And, uh, <laughs> uh, signing off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Evan. And uh, let's get this fired up. We're going to sign off here. This is Evan Rob, everyone. Thanks, Evan. Thank you, Andrew. Okay. Thank <laughs> you.